Hey guys, welcome back to the One Broke Actress Podcast, episode five, season five. Coming at you on this Sunday or whatever day you happen to be in your car. <laughs> Hi guys. Uh, listen, thank you guys so much for reviewing the podcast last week. I got three new reviews, which put us over 100, which is exactly what I've always wanted, always, always, forever. Now my next goal is 150. Gonna take some time. We'll get there. Thank you so much to Sam Hinch, Paige Babies, and HN Harper 8 for putting us over 100 reviews. That was awesome. Thank you guys so much. If you haven't reviewed the podcast, please do so. It is free and it makes me very, very happy. And not a lot of things that are free make me that happy. <laughs> okay, guys, let's get into it this week. Before we start with John Rosenfeld, you should know that this podcast is brought to you by weaudition.com. I used weaudition earlier this week. I did a session with an awesome reader. We worked on some pilot sides. It wasn't an audition. It was just something I was working on. And uh, we had a great time. And she made some money, which is just really cool. If you want to use code BROKE25, you can get a $7.50 a month membership to WeAudition, which is pretty, pretty cool. You can also get on there and get paid to be someone's reader. The girl I read with was making some money, which is really cool. Who doesn't want to make money rehearsing acting stuff? Ooh, what a great segue. God, that was good. Speaking of making money rehearsing acting stuff, today we have my coach, John Rosenfeld, on the podcast. Mm. Such a good transition. <laughs> Listen, guys, there's a lot of places you can take class in LA. There is a lot of coaches you can find. And I think it's nice to find a handful of people you agree with. You might have heard early on in the podcast where I talked to Sarah Mornell. Uh, I've talked to a lot of different coaches over over the time period I've been doing this podcast and everyone has a different style and philosophy and I'm really excited for you to meet John whose studio I am in um, right now. So John Rosenfeld is going to take us all the way from the fact that he was born in Los Angeles. He left to New York, he did a bunch of theater and then he came back to LA with some debt. He moved into his mom's house, which was a very humbling experience for him. He became a substitute teacher in Compton and then eventually got a job as a Fox Sports teleprompter. I know, you're like, when are we going to get to the acting? He then followed his friend's suggestion to see an acting coach for the first time and it truly changed his life. He really takes us into how he moved into the acting coach space from there um, with his philosophy, teach what I want to be taught, which I think is really, really cool. So the first half of the episode, you're really going to get his personal story and how he became a teacher. And we also talk about the theme for this season, which is imposter syndrome. And then uh, the second half of the episode, we're really going to get into his personal teaching and coaching style. What is special to him about acting versus being a technician what the John Rosenfeld Studio class structure is like, what the through lines he sees through actors and coaching sessions are, and his advice for starting off in L.A., like finding a community and a class and good side jobs. We're going to hit on all of that in the next hour. So buckle up. Without further ado, please enjoy John Rosenfeld. All right, are we starting? Yes, we're going to start. I clicked start, so we're in. Hi, John. Hi. What's up? I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for taking time to be here. I know you're extremely busy. I'm happy to be here. And your father and husband and all those things. I am all those things. 
Um, what year did you come to LA? Birth. <laughs> I mean, I was born. I was born here. <laughs> you never left. You I were did. Always here. I did. I left in uh, 1989 to go to college, okay. and then I came back. I went to college, uh, then grad school, then I moved to New York, and then I came back here. And I believe like the end of 98. Why did you come back to LA? Was it because of family or? No, I, I, uh, I had worked a lot in New York and, uh, I got a little lucky. Uh, I did a film that had gone to Sundance and I had gotten some really good reviews for a play I had done. And, uh, I had finally gotten to a place where I could really, I had some, I had options where I could sign with some good people in on either coast. And, uh, I had actually gotten fired from a movie. Oh. It was so silly. It was just, I, I, I got, it wasn't even a good movie, but I had gotten fired from it. And, uh, after I got fired, I, I was taking a run through Central Park and I, I just started breathing and I like just started crying for some reason. I think I just hadn't taken a real breath. I'd been working so hard. And actually, it was probably a favor that I got fired. And I just thought I, I actually booked a plane that night with my Continental Flyer Miles. And wow. I came and I just wanted to see my mom and like be home. And while I was there, I just decided to take some meetings. And some really good people said, "We move here. Please move here. So I did. So I just went back to New York and packed up my stuff and uh, I signed with new people and then I just moved back. Okay, we're going to get a little more detail than that. I want to know how it felt to get fired from something at that level of your career because it feels very scary. The reason I was more upset is I had turned down a play to do this movie and they had put me through so many auditions. I believe what happened was they got more money. Mm-hmm. And when they got more money, they realized they could hire someone with some name value. So off with my head, and I was going to get paid very little to do the movie. Uh, yeah, it didn't feel good. But also, I have to admit, the people who did it, I wasn't feeling... I was just... I just wanted footage, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So I was doing the movie. I wasn't feeling great about the team. I was feeling okay about the script. And I think that didn't help that I was asking questions about the script. I was asking questions about scene construction and about dynamics happening in the scenes that I wasn't quite certain with. And I think they also detected my... I think I was just being a curious actor asking good questions. Were you a lead in it? Yeah. Okay. I, was, I was the main guy. Okay. And I think they got a sense that I wasn't all in. <laughs> and perhaps I wasn't, you know. I think they might have been. No, they, yeah, they were, if I'm honest, they, they were accurate about that. So they just, they canned me. Okay. And I think they got the additional money. I think that also just served to, like, make them feel even better about that. Uh and I don't think any, nothing, I don't even remember what it was called. Nothing ever happened with it. But uh, it definitely was at a point, I think that also facilitated the move, is that I, I really wanted to be involved in professional film productions. Mm-hmm. You know, because when you're in New York, especially in the nights, I was just getting involved in a whole bunch of indie, 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 you know. I'm very familiar. <laughs> and it was crazy. When I, fi- I remember when I finally got like my first uh, 
like guest lead on a sh- uh, show. It was ER. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, this is what it's supposed to be like. And that was in LA. That was in LA. Okay. Yeah. Did you want to do uh, theater more than you wanted to be on film at that time? No, I just wanted to act. Okay. You know, I don't think I ever, I think the one thing is that when I was in New York, you just start to realize, wow, this does not pay. And I was watching my friends do all of these, you know, uh, uh, my friends who would go and do uh, regional theater. You know, when you're when you're 20 years old and you watch your friends doing regional theater, and I'm, I was doing, you know, my graduate school, I was part of a regional theater where you get paid, and, you know, you get paid like 500 a week. You're like, I'm getting paid 500 a week. To do theater, that's so cool. Yeah, how cool is that? And then you move to New York, and you're like, wait, how does someone survive on... <laughs> and, you know, at one point I was... You know, doing an off-Broadway show, you're getting paid, what, 200 a uh, 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 week? You're like, this, this I don't understand. Uh, you know, I think to do theater, you got to love it so much. I'd watch my friends do regional theater, and they would, like, live on the road nine months of the year and make, like, 600 a week, 700 a week. They'd, have, they'd share an apartment with, like, eight people in Brooklyn, but they were happy. Yeah. That just would never have been me. Wasn't your vibe? No. No. I I mean, I, I know you can have a wife and children with getting paid that, but it I, I, I don't think I was built to function that way. No. I'm very similar. <laughs> yeah. When you came back to LA, you said you took meetings. How did you get meetings? Um, how did I get... Did you like send a mailing? Did you reach out to people? Well, let's see. There were... Yes. Um, the first meeting I had, uh, the guy who told me to move out here was a guy named Jed Weitzman. He was with Brillstein Gray. Mm-hmm. And I knew him. And then we sat down. He knew, he saw all the good things that were happening. He's like, move out here. Take care of me, but I'll, I'll take care of you, buddy. I got you. He did not take care of me. <laughs> um, yeah, it's okay. Jed should hear this. Um, <laughs> and then, um, uh, but then, uh, it was through a family friend who, and I was going on meetings with other managers just through, um, I don't actually recall. I think I just had people who liked my work who reached out to people. Mm-hmm. And then I had meetings and nothing I was that, ex- oh, a couple of meetings I had done a movie okay. in North Carolina and some of the producers of that said they knew some managers out there and they called those managers and I met with them. So I was really using people from the work I had done. And then uh, a family friend uh, had seen me be very indecisive about what I wanted to do and they knew what was happening with Brillstein Gray. Like I thought I was moving out here to be with them. And then uh, they said, I have someone. And they were like, she's kind of a big wig, but like at least she'll give you some advice on what to do. And then I remember going to meet with her purely thinking that this was just an informational meeting. Maybe she'd be helpful, mentor me a little bit. But then she just said, I saw your reel. I want you. Let's start. And then then it started. That's so cool. Did you feel like that was like, I got it? Oh, I was delusional. I was like, I've made it. I've made it. I mean, my God, let's go. Let's buy the house. We're ready. But I'm about that to. delusion just like the only thing that sometimes keeps this going? I think you need to be delusional. I think that if you're too realistic, you're 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 screwed. I don't think anybody's that realistic if they want to do this as a job. Personally, like I have to be very delusional. I think 
I think delusion, as long as it leads to will, you're in really good shape. Yeah. You know, I think delusion without will and actually like hard work, you're screwed. You know, it's like, remember the secret? At one point, you know, the idea is if you just think it, it, it will manifest. Sounds nice. It sounds nice, yeah, but you do actually actually get your hands dirty. Do some work. Did you have a family at that time when you moved out here? Were you with your wife already? No. Okay, so no. you met her back out here. I met her at the very end of 1999. So what happened between when you moved to L.A. and you met your wife? Because you're developing a life. You are doing. I dated a lot. That's great. I liked. Yeah, I dated. I liked. It was. It was. That was interesting. Moving to L.A., I dated, and I. Uh, 90s of LA. The 90s of LA. Fun time. Um, what happened? You, I, I, it was hard to come back here. Did you have to get, did you have side jobs? How did you like function? So many side jobs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, God. Oh, what were your oh that's jobs? right. Right. One broke actress. <laughs> right. One broke actress. Um, I don't want to hear about the successes. I like the shit in between. Oh, God. There was so much shit. It was really, okay. So I'll say this. So I moved, actually, maybe I moved back a little earlier. Okay. So when I moved back, since I'm from here, mm-hmm. um, it was really hard for me. I, I got, so I signed with these big people, and I signed with an agency called SDB, who love, they're lovely people. Um, and they got me out a lot. And the thing is, when I came back here, I moved in with my mother. That was supposed to be for like a month, mm-hmm. How two old months. You? Uh, well, if it's 1998, so I was 27. Okay. Uh, it's important. Yeah, maybe a month, maybe two months. And I had debt from living in New York. I mean, not a lot of debt. I mean, we're talking about like $14,000 on my MBNA card. <laughs> MBNA, I don't think that exists anymore. I don't know the reference. MBNA. Well, for those people who are older, they'll remember MBNA and remember that fucking debt. So uh, we're, we, we had that debt. And I, I really was, I didn't know what to do, but I, I was delusional. So I thought, I'm going to book a really big job. And, uh, and, and the first couple of things I went out for, I had pins in me, like for big studio pictures. And I'm like, I'm about to make it. Like, I'm going to pay off all my debt. I'm going to, I didn't get either of those jobs. And then I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do because I don't have money to get an apartment. Right. Mm-hmm. And trust me, my mother did not want me living with her. I don't think. <laughs> and so I got, uh, uh, a guy who had produced a movie saw me in an episode of something. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, wait, let me go back. First okay. thing I did, I remember, I became a substitute teacher. Mm. I became, I got my certificate, I, I went, I was a substitute teacher in Compton. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Compton in the early 90s as a substitute Not teacher. early 90s, come on. Later 90s, later 90s. <laughs> well, if you moved back in 89. Okay, know. Well, so nine, no, 98. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, that's why I graduated high school in 89. Okay. And so I was back there in 98, and uh, it paid a lot. Like it, it turns out that it paid, I don't remember how much, but I think it was like 200 a day. Oh, so like the same as a re- of regional theater. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but for a day. Uh, but they should have paid more. That was, that was a lot. You know, you go down there, and I never actually did any teaching. It was just you go there... They never would leave any curriculum. Holy shit. You and just had an open classroom? I had an open classroom. I mean, it's really just being, it, you might as well call it just, I don't know, being a, You're just babysitting. a guard. Ugh. Um, 
and there were some nice kids, but no one, you know, I wasn't doing any teaching and, and it was very far. It was a long drive. Um, and so I immediately, I'm like, okay, I need this money, but what am I going to do? And so then I'd done an episode of something and, uh, the producer saw me, had seen me on TV and he called me up. He's like, you must be doing amazing. He's like, you're doing great. Because of course that's what happens when people see you on network TV. They're assuming like, mm-hmm. you must be like a rock star. I'm like, I am poor. I'm living at my mom's. It's like, I mean, I didn't, I actually I'm sure you covered didn't answer it. the I'm, phone I'm, like that. But No, I was pretending like, yeah, it's great. I love LA. That's <laughs> great. It's great. It's great. And uh, then he's like, well, I'm, yeah, he's like, well, listen, if you ever want a job, really, what job? And it turns out he was a director for Fox Sports. Uh, for like, it used to, like, you know, like ESPN Sports mm-hmm. Center, Fox Sports used to have that. And he's like, yeah, we have jobs like, um, you know, a really good job is being a teleprompter operator. Okay. And so then he went and he, uh, he got me a meeting to be the teleprompter operator from one of them, you know, which is a union job. It paid really well. Cool. And so I started to do that and I did that for a year and a half. Were you able to audition while you yeah, were the job? Yeah, that's what I loved about the job. Oh, it's like I could leave, I could get anyone to cover me. And I did. I used to love, I always did weekends. I would do as many weekends as I possibly could. I loved a good Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> and like on Saturday and Sunday, give me lots of overtime on Saturday and Sunday oh, and yeah. I will do it. So that way I could leave my week free. And it was a great job because you could literally work on your sides. While it was running? What? Oh, all day. You did. Because a teleprompter operator is just only useful. Like you're only doing it when the show is actually filming. But oh, there's so great. much wait time. That's great. Oh, what an in. Yeah. Okay. So side jobs and then you're auditioning. Auditioning, yeah. And how did that go? Do you feel like you were developing? <clears throat> I feel like that's when I started to figure out what was kind of working in auditioning for film. Uh, in my later 20s, did you feel like you were kind of figuring out auditioning in L.A. for film? Because everything's different. Um, I really struggled. I really struggled, um, which is why I'm a teacher now. Not because, because the, it's what I learned from, it's how I figured my way out of my struggle mm-hmm. that I became a teacher, is that I really understand the walls you hit. Um, Were you in a class at that time? You know, that's the interesting thing. The last place I wanted to do was go to class. Um, I'd gone to class, but you know, I went to graduate school. I'd taken classes in New York that I didn't really like. Um, and then I remember um, I was very hit and miss in auditions. Some auditions I'd really just excel at, and others I just didn't know what I was. I didn't know I didn't know what I was doing, but I just knew intuitively, like, I'm not, something's missing, Mm -hmm. significantly missing. Um, Certain things I could read and it would just, I would know what to do and I'd know what technically where to go and what to draw from. And otherwise, I like, I didn't even know what to apply. And then I remember uh, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine who I'd gone to grad school with, who's, I just saw him, he started working and um, and I go, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> What's the secret? <laughs> and then he told me, I started working with a coach. And then I was like, did that people do that? And so then um, I went to the coach 
that I resisted for a little bit because also it was money. It's it's expensive. It's ex- well, I already have. I had my MBNA debt. Yeah. And 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 I was like <laughs> my brother, but it really changed my life. And then I remember I finally went in for a consultation, uh, like right before I turned thirty, and this person just literally um, gave me one little note. It wasn't a big note. And then I just understood the scene. And that made me really recognize that I didn't need a, I just needed, I needed help. I just needed a different eye. There was something I didn't know structurally. It wasn't about my instrument. There was just certain information I did not have about text Mm -hmm. that grad school did not provide me. And then I went into class and literally in my first in my the intro class, um, I booked a show. No way. Yeah, in the intro class because I just it turns out I knew I just was missing things. Yeah. I was missing so many elements of scenes and it really it was very funny because I remember the teacher at one point went around the room during the intro and was saying was talking it was really, it was a little brutal. They're like going around the room like Sam, um no, no one knows you. You haven't screwed anything up, Billy. Uh, you're cute. They don't care if you've screwed up. They'll you'll, they'll bring you back in the room. Uh, you know, Jocelyn. Uh, you're green. You just need. The, you haven't even gotten any rooms yet, John. You've got to repair some relationships. Ooh. Wait, did they know you before the class? No, they just knew that the work I had probably done in those rooms did not represent what I could have done. Uh, and then. Uh-huh. I really started work. Then all of a sudden, I just started booking jobs, and that allowed me to quit teleprompting. <laughs> and then very quickly, I started teaching as my uh, supplementary job. When did you feel like? Obviously, things started to hit. You had a coach. You had like someone, another set of eyes to look at stuff with you for you, which is very different than anything else. When did you feel? Oh. I can quit a job and things are going to go well. I think a lot of people struggle with that moment. Say, say, say that one more time. When did you know that you could quit a job and you would be okay? That you could quit the job that had been taking care of you and you would just trust your acting career? Oh, God, trust the acting career. <laughs> quit a job. Um, I'm neurotic. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I've, it is in my bones to worry. Mm-hmm. So um, I work really hard. I work so hard to make, to, to think that things are going to be okay. But I mean, even, you know, I'm so much better than I was those days, but you know, I need to be really certain it's okay to quit a job. Meaning I've already have to make sure that that next thing is lined up and so ready to be, to take care of me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I trust my gut. I trust my gut that when I am at a place where I feel certain it's like getting out of any relationship it's like when i have really arrived at the place that i'm in my heart in my soul on a cellular level i am i'm ready to move on to that next thing then i really trust it and i'm very unsettled to do it before i feel have that feeling yeah you just had to trust it i have to trust it I have to trust it. It's so scary. It is. But every great thing that's ever happened to me, starting the studio and all that, has been like the scariest moments of my entire life of where you don't know, but you just know the one thing you do know 
Because I, I think fear is actually um, really, I mean, of course, it's this is not mind-blowing, but it's really fucking useful, depending on who you are. But for me, fear is that, that galvanizes my energies. You know, like every time I do a play, I'd be so scared. Every time I'd accept a play, I'm scared because the reason I'm scared is because I know that I'm going to put everything in my being into it. You know, mm-hmm. and that fear is like, once I say yes, it's like, there's no going back. So I'm going to be work giving everything I have. Same with getting married. Yeah. I was so scared <laughs> to say yes, I do. Because I know that once, you know, you know that you're basically going to give, surrender, you're going to surrender. That's really nice, actually. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what it is with acting. And I feel that's the one thing that I think with actors is some people don't surrender. They're still trying to hold on to this, to to their power. Like, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. You know, rather than fully (laughs) surrendering, going, you know, you don't get points for not caring. Well, there's, it's, it's so hard in this job because so much of what, comes out as the end product is you. And I think that's different than any other job where you do a project and the project is paperwork or things on a scene. Whereas like in acting, when you're really succeeding, it's you as like in your body and your voice and your whatever. So it's very, very, that's, I think where a lot of that comes out is like the ego in your body and you're having this. Oh, so you're saying that the career, so you feel like that it's, it suddenly puts you under the microscope. Yes. So there's a so then all of a sudden for you, what, like a, a a defense gets triggered. I guess. I mean, I've personally broken that down over the past couple of years by just vomiting all of my feelings onto my website and podcast, <laughs> and it's taken a lot of that to just tell people like, hey, listen, I'm really uh, not doing great. That, that's how. I'm. And so that a lot of that is gone for me because I don't have anything. You know, there's not a lot left to keep secret. Well, you become so much more vulnerable in the last year. Oh, thanks. Really? Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's really cool. You're you're much. You know, I think there's something about being in class where it has to do with. Um, sometimes there's a power dynamic that exists where actors like, "Hey, I'm here, but I don't need you." Okay. <laughs> what do you remember when I did my? Uh, my uh, intro with you when we sat down the first time. Yes, I. Yes, and I, I said I, I don't like acting classes. <laughs> I know. Um, I actually said I don't like most acting. I classes. don't like most acting classes, and and I get it. It's um, people are just you know everyone's just trying to figure it all out. We're just trying to you know, and you go to an acting class, and I think acting class isn't immediately triggering because you're going in there and it makes you really. Uh, confront all the stuff you actually really care about because when yeah. you walk in a room you're like I really want this it's not happening and that's what people and you go to an acting class and you're like almost getting reminded of where you are in your career especially when you've been doing it for a while and you're like wow okay I guess I'll go back to the drawing board in front of people like right and sometimes people don't like to be in class when they're hearing another actor in class that they just booked a show they're mm-hmm. like great that's not me yeah. rather than being motivated by that they feel smaller because of it it's true and the amazing thing is it's got to be that's got to be a reminder that it's there, it's accessible. And I don't want to be in a class where people aren't booking. Right. I don't want to be, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. <laughs> I want to be learning from the people who are next to me, not just from the person who's teaching me. Well, that's very healthy. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> it's been therapy. 
Um, so I want to go back a little bit before we talk more about the studio and your teaching and coaching. Um, you said you, after you started coaching and being in class, you went back to repair relationships. Do you mean from when you were auditioning and just going back to casting directors and just saying, I actually do know how to do this type of material, you know? Do you um, feel like you were given a, a pretty decent amount of quote unquote second chances at offices where you didn't do so well? Yeah, uh, a a decent amount, a decent amount. Um, and I know it's been a while. It's and been that's a different it's, time. it's it's been a while. I'm trying to remember it all. You know, I when I started the studio a decade ago, um, I, you know, I, I literally booked a job in my first week of opening the studio, um, and it was within a yeah a couple of weeks and it was such a pain in the ass to go to that audition because I had so much to do and I remember like squeezing it in and like running there and then running back to teach a class booking it and even thinking like I don't have time to do this show <laughs> uh, but that really brought in that brought to me um, reminds me that it's really important for actors to feel powerful in that way like you know you have a life make sure that the, the audition is not your day you know um, but uh Wait, what question am I answering? Oh, we were talking about going back to offices from before you were coaching till oh, after yeah. and, when and, you kind and, of grown. Yeah, I think uh, I went into, I, I was able to change relationships, but more what happened, and this happens in LA a lot, is that, you know, you make really good first impressions with certain people and they end mm -hmm. up being relationships for a really long time. So I had a lot of offices that were just like my fans. Yeah. So I could rely on being brought into those rooms. And, you know, you also get into that place where, you know, I'm, uh, I was in a category at that point in the thirties where, you know, they had their lists that they were going to, mm -hmm. uh, and I would sometimes get brought in towards the tail end of that pilot season, you know, before they went through the list and the names and the approved people. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Did you feel, did it feel different once you started to go into the rooms with that, like, it sometimes I think that's a special thing about coaching too is you go into a room having something that someone sometimes having a second eyes on something you feel more confident. It's like it's not just me working alone who thought this might have been a good idea, right? Uh, oh god, yeah. I mean, I spent years living working in a vacuum, and I, you know, teaching helped my acting so much because yeah. you know you teach what you need to learn, and I just noticed that uh, I need to see it sometimes before I could do it, mm -hmm. and I need to. Uh, I've I found that my it was a lot easier for me to see it from the couch than while I'm up there. Yeah. Cecilia and I were talking a little bit about imposter syndrome before you got here and both in our lives and like what we have going on. So how did you feel like you were qualified to start teaching? Because that's, it's kind of scary. I didn't. Okay. I never, Great. are you kidding? <laughs> I'm feeling. This is exactly what we were saying. No, I never felt like I was, I, that's, that's insane. Um, I, I uh, you know, I, I taught my first class uh, when I was 22 and I was in grad school. And, I, and I've said this before, but my, my teacher watched me teach and he says, you know, I think you could be a really good teacher. And I took that as the biggest insult. <laughs> I thought he was saying, don't act, you should teach. And look, I think he said that because, you know, I'm also, you know, I was raised by a psychologist mom and I'm good at connecting and I'm good at seeing things. But like, in no way do you equate that to like, I should teach. Um. But then 
I, as I moved on, and then I had another, then I had someone else, I was TAing for class, and, and they're like, you should, you should really be, no, before I TA, someone's like, you should really start coaching and teaching, and I had been coaching my friends a lot, but I still never thought I should coach yeah. or teach, and then once I started, I just noticed, um, I, was, I felt like I'm not worthy, but then I just thought, okay, at least teach what I would, the way I would want to be taught. Like that's what I started with. Just let, let me teach what I care about, mm-hmm. what I value. And when I started with that, then I noticed I actually had a lot to say. And maybe that made me steer away from, you know, what I was supposed to be teaching. Mm-hmm. But what I'm supposed to be teaching is actually things that excite me. Yeah. You know, and then once I started doing then I actually started to develop like, what I really thought. I think initially when you start teaching, you teach what you're supposed to teach. You follow the instruction manual. Yeah. And then I think it's the same thing in acting. I think initially we follow our methodology, do what the teachers tell us, and then eventually we start to find what it means to us, how that lives in our bodies, and even our own expression of it. Yeah. It's like taking liberties with the page. Like, oh, it says take a breath here. I feel like taking a breath somewhere else. I'm not going to do exactly that. Yeah, like it and, takes confidence to get to that point. Well, Dad, well, and you know, when I was in grad school, I remember that I started doing my own thing at one point, and I started to think I was cheating. So when my teacher would say, "So did you?" He like, "So what did you apply from, uh, uh, from what we've been working on with Stanislavski this week?" And I would lie. <laughs> I would lie. I'd say, "Well, I was really working it just to try to make him happy. I was really just trying to get clear on my objective and and this and." <laughs> And inside I'm going, I'm not being honest whatsoever. I did something else. but And while I thought I was cheating and taking a shortcut, what I was actually doing was learning. And making it work for you. Yeah. Ugh. But I think that's what we all have to do. We all have to just, it's just all about figuring it out. Has the studio really been open for a decade now? On February 2nd. Yeah. What? I know. Wow, dude. Congrats. Thank you. 10 years. Does it feel like that long? What's that? Does it feel like 10 years? When I look at pictures, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I had some, I had hair. I even had hair. Uh, yeah. What did, what did it take to get to the structure that it is now? Can, can you kind of go over the audience? Like what, cause there, there's a thousand cl- like acting classes in a centimeter of this building, right? There's stuff everywhere. God, yeah. How, how does your studio work and how did it get to that point? Like, did it start off with, because the way it is now, you're grouped into, first you meet with you, and then you do um, the weekend, the, um, what's the official term? Tool shop. The tool shop. Yeah, it's just and, an intro class. Yeah. Bootcamp. How did it come about? Um, I started, first of all, it was, there was only two classes, maybe three, three classes. Now there's 27. Wow. You know, and now it's like 30 people work there. Um, it just started off with the, uh, it just had like a vision, you know, like how could we create something that really reflects what we believe? And it was just about being authentic. And, you know, we immediately, Nicole Dalton and I sat down and we came up with like our, our thesis. And that was cultivate the constitution of a happy working actor. Um, because it's just like, let's work on who you are as a person, as well as your, your process because too many times I'm watching people separate the two, but who you are in your process 
They go hand in hand. They got to intermingle and about being really curious about the way you exist in the world. <laughs> no matter where you go. There you know, you so are. when I created Toolshop, it was to do, it was to create a class that not only really kind of explored process and, you know, what, all the stuff that you're bringing into the room that first day, but also exploring who you are today. Can, let's demystify not only where you are in your acting career, but where you are in your life, you know? And if you can do that, um, we can kind of move the both boulders simultaneously, your life and your process. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Was that well said? I'm not sure. No, I think it was great. Okay, good. <laughs> so, uh, will you do an overview of what the process is for someone coming into class if they've they've never looked up the studio before? Yeah, uh, either online, uh, you can book a consultation with me, or you can call the office, and then you uh, you meet with me, and you, you can also do one on ones, but. Mm -hmm. uh, you come in. I'm. We meet. You meet a few other people and uh, you tell them how much you hate acting classes. You tell them how much you hate <laughs> acting classes, and I just am going to ask you some questions to just to know who you are and just see how. I, just try to experience you, and you get to experience me, mm -hmm. um, and figure out. You know, is this a good fit? Um, and then I watch your acting. I kind of see where you, what you're doing with your work and. Uh, and then I make a suggestion, you know, about, and hopefully give you a couple of tips, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and, you know, it, it, look, I think so much of, of finding the right teacher and the right thing, it's chemical. Yeah, I was going to ask your advice on finding a good acting class in L.A. because it's, it's, a, it's a rough terrain out there. It's a rough terrain. You know, I mean, look, I... I I believe in my studio so much and my, t I mean, I just think we have the best teachers in the, you know, in the city. Um, I think you got to trust your gut um, and don't go to some place that says they've got the quick fix. Mm. If they just go, like I, there was one website saying we are, what do they call themselves? Uh, we have a revolutionary method. Oh, go fuck yourself. Get out You're of not there. revolutionary. It's like, a, it's like looking for it's a, your next They're fight. doing Meisner. You're not doing... <laughs> it's, this is not revolutionary. <laughs> you know what's revolutionary? A person that can immediately identify what your needs are and help you with them. Yeah. You know? Um, and also, I think with actors, is if you have to explain to a teacher, really explain where you're at, they're not a very good teacher. They should, it's just like a good therapist. If you have to go into detail about your family history uh, for them to understand where you're at, they're bad therapists. <laughs> they should have enough data in their brains to pick up on signals to immediately be able to kind of see what's happening. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But again, that's where I think for me, it's, it's watching how people, ha what low expectations people have of acting class. I know. And, you know, and, I and, and any with studio them. that makes acting, I, I will say this actually, like, acting made easy. We have no method. There's no method. Just connect. Just be present. Just go moment to moment. Again, look, I think the thing about acting is just like in, you know, in life, if you're not being able to connect one day, right, aren't you, what I want you to do is wonder why you're not able to connect to me or connect to the room or connect to just why you're just consumed by something. Yeah. And that's basically the same in acting. You know, in acting, I'm not able to connect with my partner in any authentic way. What is 
what what are my obstacles today in connection? Mm-hmm. And if you can just like let, I mean, that's a very fundamental basis yeah. of it all. But anyone that's trying to, uh, and also a, 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 a class that's not just trying to direct you. Because there is tr- a huge difference between working on your acting and being directed. Huge difference. Right. I think you talk about that often enough. Well, no, I just think when actors like, yeah, you can have say, I don't want to like move your head here, do this, do that. I, I think, and too often what's happening, I'm watching classes, they're all audition based, audition based. I mean, we have an audition class, but like mm-hmm. if the only acting you're doing is to book a job, then you're forgetting the magic of, of being actually present and processed and truly experiencing a scene. The, the reason we want to do it. Like nobody, get, I, I don't know anyone who gets into acting because they're like, I can't wait to go on auditions and for nothing else to happen. <laughs> right? Like who, who wants that? Well, I, I think a you, masochist. I, I tell me, I, you know, I think, um, I think I realize we that we go through different phases. Like you know, I was at one, at one phase. It was I didn't even quite know. You know, as an actor, I didn't quite know what was called for in a scene. Mm-hmm. Then you get to a point where I really did know it was called for a scene, and then. You know, there's some guest stars that I booked purely because I knew how to give the writer exactly what they wanted, right? And you gain a certain satisfaction from that because you get paid a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know? And there's satisfaction of hitting your marks and doing it and giving the writer exactly what they want. But eventually, there's not a lot of artistry. That's just being a real technician of knowing how to hit that. And eventually, there's a, there's a dwindling reward for that. But then you, what you really feel rewarded for is that role you get because you really had to like summon something. You really had to find something, excavate something from your being, from your soul, that you're like, this is so uniquely me. It's not just me being a, able to hit my mark, give that guest star so I don't distract the audience from the series regulars. <laughs> but I'm actually able to be an artistic craftsperson, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think the class should really remind you to keep on pushing your boundaries. I, I don't like when classes are just saying, just keep on working on your brand. Keep on working on your brand. That just, that kills my soul. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's make sure that we're painting outside your brand. I, it, I think it's hard. I, I love that and I agree with it. It's hard, I think, from, from a perspective when you first get to LA because all you want to do, it's like getting going to a new school, right? All you want to do is fit in and have a place. And like I struggle with that in my acting career because all I want to do is sometimes I'm just, I want to have a brand because I just want to be picked for the, like the softball team. Right. And it's hard to like find that place where I am an actor and I am so many layers, but also I'm the girl next door and book me. <laughs> like It's I, I, and I struggle with that all the time, like figuring out where I fit in the puzzle, but also I'm so much more than my puzzle piece. But you're doing this podcast. I'm like, I'm watching you right now, and I would cast you as this role in a second. Thanks. I can't wait. (laughs) But I think this is your brand. I just think the more you do what you're doing with this and this this voice you're creating, I mean, we can't let your casting have any – that's not gauging your your castability. Like right. the amount of jobs you've gotten is not, is not, in any way reflection of what's, 
what you're able to do and what you should be doing. Yeah, it's really hard to do. I know any it's of those hard. Things. It's fucking hard. And it's I have so to say, hard. it pisses. I want. Hey, I want to get up on the rooftop with you and start <laughs> fucking screaming. I'm with you. I want to. I, I. If I could get you a role right now, I would do it. Thanks. I would love, really love to. <laughs> We're trying all the time. But I, mean, I think. God, well, hey, hey, I pitched you for something recently just oh. because I was like, hey, movie of the week. Let's, uh, 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 Hallmark, let's let's do that. So. I'm, I'm ready for my Hallmark show. <laughs> I'm so ready. <laughs> no, it's, just, it's, I, and that's why I think I gravitated towards the studio so much is because you were really real. You're like, yeah, we're, we, we can work on that. We can work on the things that you could get cast for and like the pieces you fit, but also like, how come you don't feel comfortable doing this role? Like, what is it? Like, I've cried so many times in class, and I don't think crying is necessarily an actor skill. But, like, being able, because I, I have so many stories about, I had a manager once who was like, I have actors who can cry on command. And I was like, um, Great. Cool. Fuck off. <laughs> exactly. Thanks. Uh, I, yeah, I think that's why I gravitated toward it is because it was so much more than booking a role to be there and I think the cool thing about it is I've met some amazing people who are constantly working I have new friends I have like it's I love that there's nothing better than finding your group of people in LA who are going through struggles that you've been through or have been through and are willing to like talk about them and share and like that is something that you get from your school that is just not always found everywhere Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. When did you... So do you feel now as though you are a qualified coach? You have to. Is the imposter syndrome gone? Like, that's, it's yeah, got to be no, gone. That, that's gone. That's gone. You know, now you get in situations where, you know, what's also with age, you know, mm -hmm. and now, you know, when you get to work with, you, get, you know, I get hired by studios and and you know go to set and uh, and you know you get Is to work with so like fun? some oscar it it can be it's, it, okay. it sometimes <laughs> depends it depends on like it's all about the people that you're working with yeah um i uh and you just start to realize everyone everyone's just trying to figure it out and everyone's got issues and everyone's everyone just wants help what is what is some through lines you see with actors from a from across the ranges of just got to LA to like Oscar winners. What are some through lines you see with actors with their work? Oscar winners, I find if they first of all, if they smell bullshit, they're out. <laughs> but if you Oscar winners are just basically want to know that this person is smart and intuitive and they have no ego once they trust you. They're just like, I trust you, help me. And they're willing to make it a collaboration. You know, they never defend anything. They go, ooh, that's a great idea. They're really excited by good ideas. It's always the green person that comes in. Well, I did this because of this. And you're like, what, why are you defending? You're, this is not, there's no right, wrong. Right. And I'm just telling you what's working and what's not. You know, and you can trust me or not. Mm -hmm. Um. And the other through line is, but I get it. It's scary. It is really scary to know that you're going to be going into a room. Like, and that's what everyone's saying. They're coming into class. You can't come into class to try to book a job. So I think but when they come there, and if they're not doing well in class that day, they're afraid that, that they somehow, um, they, they um, what word am I, they catastrophize. and go, oh my God, so I'm going to go into a room tomorrow and fuck it all up. <laughs> like, 
No. Mm-hmm. Let's let's you just want A to F, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's just go one step at a time. Um and I think your the, the evolution is really actors beginning to understand themselves, understand their craft, understand why they're falling into certain traps and doing it in a calm and relaxed space. I think, you know, a, a lot of actors growth is determined by the way they function in confusion. Oof, because like if you can, because if you can be an actor who's calm in confusion of not knowing what it is, I think that that's true in every, uh, for every industry is, and for every, every person's success is you've got to be okay not knowing what something is for a little bit. I'm certain that every great invention has required long periods of confusion. (laughs) Well, you'll listen to like people like Jennifer Lawrence say like, oh, I wish that I could have been at this place I was in the end of this movie in the beginning because I just kind of figured it out. I know, that happens. But, you know, with films, at least you have an editor. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And a director, hopefully, who has a good eye. So maybe you're not feeling it, but who knows what the camera caught. I think that the hard part about that particular thing, too, is that sometimes, you know, like we have a 12-hour turnaround to pick up something and figure out what it is. And I personally, I'll pick up something, and I know I speak for a lot of people who listen to this, they'll immediately start with oh uh, okay I know what this is supposed to look like but actually it'd be kind of fun if I did it this way da, da, da. and so we start to like huh, and like the wheel starts spinning and it's like oh I also have to get off of work and I have to find an outfit to wear and I have to da, da, da. yeah and so to find calm in that like how <laughs> I'm really just asking for myself right now it's hard it's so hard and it's hard it was hard it was really hard for me I I, I god I would usually feel it because usually I'd be teaching or you you go to work and you just feel this jolt of just fear wash through your body Mm -hmm. I think you just have to recognize that if you have that just allow it to happen and then know it'll wash away so you just have perspective say those thoughts aren't real and then you know it's finding what your ritual is I think you're my I had a ritual where I would make sure to go home not open up the file or not read the side yet make some tea Mm -hmm. you know and just like calmly sit down, try to absorb everything and not make any choices. Just try to absorb all of the material just to get my imagination going. I want to see it. I want to hear it. I want to know who everyone was. I want to know what everyone's function was. I found that if I could just slow down my process in the first time of experiencing the material, it would actually speed up my process. Oh, I like that. That makes me not want to read it on my phone while I'm at work. Yeah. <laughs> No, but you can't help that. You're like, how many pages? How many pages? I'm like, how what many? am I doing? Am I a doctor? Am I a lawyer? Also, am I naked? I got to check these things off before I confirm. <laughs> but sometimes I would look. It's like, do I know the show? So that yeah. way I can immediately figure out, like, can if I don't know the show, should I watch it? Yeah, because TV is the biggest thing now, and there's a gajillion shows you could get an audition for. Do you recommend going back and, like, so say you got an audition, you know, tomorrow, or I get an audition tomorrow for a show I haven't seen yet? That you can watch, I would say you you better watch it. Yeah, well, how much of it do you think? Watch it depends on the show. I think sometimes you'll watch it like oh, within five minutes you're like I get the t- I get exactly what they do here because it's yeah. like that writer's probably written something else and you know, uh, or maybe it's something that you're a little less familiar mm-hmm. with. You know, I'm sure. 
Um, not that you would have ever auditioned for Fleabag, but uh, I'm a sure girl when, can dream. I know, but <laughs> like imagine imagine auditioning for that show, and you're like, wait, what is this? Mm-hmm. I'm confused. And then all of a sudden, that would take a a, a good episode. To, yeah, to like, really or, or more to digest. <laughs> and because it's brilliant, and she she I mean I just feel she did something that no one else has done. Okay, let's see. I feel like we've covered most of our stuff. What do you think is something that actors, there's a lot of actors who listen to this who are moving to LA or on their way here, um, people who are in some of their first or second years. Where do you start in LA? First and second years in LA? Yeah. And advice I for feel now. For it's you. So it's 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 wild out there. God, I think LA is a tough city to begin. I mean, I I love LA, by the way. Do not hate LA. LA is anything you want it to be. Yeah. I, can, I love LA. I still think it's the hardest place I've ever lived in my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for the first, first of all, you got to find a community. If you don't have a, that's why I mean, when I moved, you know, when I moved back here, it was really hard living at my mom's because I didn't have a community. Yeah. I, I, I had some friends that I'd grown up with, but they weren't really close. And luckily I, I mean, we weren't, we had grown apart so I, I found a couple of new ones through whatever, uh, through old friends. And uh, There's so many ways to go about it, too. Like, my first group of friends was my CrossFit gym. Yeah. It was, it's, it's fed my career, literally. Has it? Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. It's Which wild. CrossFit? Uh, the one right by uh, the studio, oh, Rick. Okay, so first go, go to that CrossFit. <laughs> um, no, but uh, I would say that's partially where... Uh, Make sure if you obviously an acting studio is a great place to meet people. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you go to a good one. Um, you know you can tell so much by about a person's career by the company they keep. Um, I'd say, uh, for the love of God, whatever job you get, I think that's the other thing. Is I watch actors not be in a position to take class or get coachings because they've just. This one woman was working like sixty-five hours a week, making twelve, fourteen dollars an hour, and you're like, that just does not quit. That's exhausting. Quit to think your about. job and take some time to find another job that pays more. You're a smart, powerful human. You you have the ability, but I think so often people are just try to slow down the fear and just get a little practical about like really think. What do you want to do? What job would actually like? excite you or at least make you not miserable and be grateful for it i think that's the other thing is actors have to find a way to if you're like young and 21 and 22 um that's too early to hate your life you hate your job like make sure you find something that you just like i loved waiting tables when i was in new york i loved waiting tables really it did i thought it was great you know because to me it just gave me i was flexible it allowed me to go do plays it allowed me to go do like movies where i was paid nothing mm-hmm. like it, it gave it allowed me to pay for my apartment <laughs> i mean so i was at the place where i was just like kind of living in abundance yeah so uh and i think for young people it's also important to not budget for being poor the rest of their lives like that's where the delusion comes in uh-huh do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, meaning like you're going to end up having to go, like just you, you went to CrossFit. Mm-hmm. You invested in your 
health. Yeah, and it was like all of my money at the time. <laughs> I know. But imagine if you didn't go to CrossFit. You're like, I can't afford CrossFit. I don't know. I think I would have done a lot of drugs. That's what I think I would That's have done from, if I didn't work But you got, you got to do something. You got to be part of something. It's true. I agree. I think, ooh, I like that. It's So it's like spend... Don't be afraid to spend your money on something that is important. Well, I was afraid to take acting class or go to coaching because I was like, what about I couldn't afford it? But then I ended up making, you know, $20,000 within my first like month and a half of taking a class. I'm like, okay, I'm, I, this, this, this pays for itself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think when you get into that idea that it's a it will scarcity pay me back. Mindset that can kind it's of a be, scarcity mindset, yeah. which I think, I, I think really gets actors in trouble. It, yeah. I'm very, very wealth <laughs> well voiced in that yeah i think that's why you, i mean you, you have this you have to have that fundamental belief that you're going to be okay yeah or else you won't be that's a really good one cecilia's gonna write that one down <laughs> um anything else we need to know about you john about the studio if you want to direct people to somewhere to the yeah. website to the anything i don't know what do you think you you know more you know so much about the studio. I mean, I just, I I think it's great. We've had a lot of people on from it. I think, ugh. listen, it's really hard to find an acting class in LA. I've said it a million times. And not everything is not great for everyone. But I think sitting down with people who know what the world is and can talk to you knowledgeably about it and about your part in it is priceless. And also, it's like really good price. Do you realize how good priced your studio is? We were working so hard to keep it that way. I like that was one of my it's it just kills my soul when I watch some of the prices that are being charged and I know that it's I want you to also be able to eat food. We appreciate that. And that's a, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. It takes a lot of a lot of trying to stay lean. Mhm. Um but no, I I don't. I think um proud of you. I love what you're doing here. Thanks. Just one day at a time. One day at a time. <laughs> By the way, everyone should know this this she 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 it's very cool watching Sam do this. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well cool. Thanks for coming into my studio. <laughs> do you have any questions? Cecilia? Me? Yeah. Oh god. Uh, no, I think my biggest question that I, if I was listening to this episode, I would want to know what that initial meeting with you is for your studio. Like what that looks like. Do people need to prepare for it? If I'm looking for your class and your thing, that initial meeting would make me nervous. So how do you plan? Oh, I like that. Hmm, so if you couldn't hear that, uh, I'll, I'll bump it up a little bit. But she wanted to know what an initial meeting looks like. How do you plan for it? Yeah. What do we do? Uh, sometimes my initial meeting with someone who takes class is just they literally just coach with me or one of my teachers. And they're like, I want class. And then, and then my, you know, and I'll say, yeah, you should. You're wonderful. And whatever. <laughs> uh, but for the consultation, if you've never been at the studio, uh, we say to bring in two or three pages of sides. You, I get astounded by how many people do not read the instructions. You know, and I say, don't bring in something famous. And then they bring in sides from the movie Closer, or the movie uh, uh, Good Will Hunting, and they think it's not famous because it's older. Older. <laughs> I'm like, uh, to me, it's famous, uh, but ideally, and that's fine. Um, 
but it, <laughs> uh, but anything from an audition you've had, uh, uh, we say no monologues, but TV or film. I just the reason I don't like famous movies is that means that you're going to be. I just don't want that person's performance in your head. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want you comparing yourself or trying to hit what you what you already is what is already an Oscar winning performance. Uh-huh. That makes sense. I don't think that serves you. Mm-hmm. And. Really, it's it's so not about impressing me. And too many people are trying to care. You're at where you're at, you know? And my job is just to see where you're at. Um, and I understand that that sometimes can feel very vulnerable. But isn't that why you came? Yeah. You know? Uh, and then you read, you know? I, I just kind of tell you what I'm seeing. I give you, you know, some... A few adjustments, if you need any, you know. Maybe it's per- maybe it's just like wow, I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, that doesn't happen. <laughs> I doubt all. That, it. That, 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 I mean, okay, that happens almost never. But uh, you know, and uh, I kind of tell you what what we're about. Yeah, it's useful. I think it's more useful than auditing a class, personally, because when you audit a class, you just get to see what. Uh, that day in that class was like whereas the meeting in general is useful because even if you decide not to take class you still get something out of it and you see me working with other actors in the room yeah. if it's not one well I, auditing look I get auditing at a place like um, you know like Howard Fine mm-hmm. where you know you've got our classes are smaller it's only you know it's you know, it's 16, 18 at most, but like, you know, it's typically around 16 people and everything I'm working on, like with you, when I work with you, we're working on very specific Sam things versus mm-hmm. very specific Brandon things, you know? So, and when you're in hard fine, it's based on pretty much a, you know, certain technical terms and ideas. And by the way, I like Howard mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but sometimes people won't know understand what I'm working on with you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it's so, it's much more, it's, it's, it's very individualized and we're tracking every very different journeys from each of you. Um, so, though I feel like the, and also it would be weird for you guys to have a, a auditor sitting there watching, going, because you guys are so all in to where it's weird to have some actress standing there going, do I want to be all in? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we also talk, like, it's a very open like it's in a room with couches and stuff. Like it's not like a amphitheater. We're <laughs> just like right. And we go around and like talk about our day and say like what sucks and what's great. And we like, call it check in. We call it check in. Sometimes it takes an hour because that's it's. But I've been doing I a lot like more check-in. quick check in, quick check in, <laughs> quick check in, guys. Bites. I know I like. What I do last week, I said, give me one word how you're doing. <laughs> oh my god. That- Mine would be like a sound, I feel like. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, we should. We've reached our hour. John, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I'm so happy to be here. This is so lovely. Thank you. Um, guys, you check out John. I'll have more information about him at the end of the podcast. And I will talk to you in just a bit. Thank you guys so much for listening. John, thank you so much for your time. Guys, I really like... John Rosenfeld Studios. I'm not getting a discount for this. I'm not getting paid to say this. I still pay regular class fees and coaching fees, but 
I just think it's a really lovely place to land if, especially if you're just starting out in LA. If you have any questions for me, you can always find me on Instagram at onebrokeactress or at Sam Valentine. And you can check out the John Rosenfeld studio online as well at johnrosenfeld.com. Next week on the podcast, we are going to have Ashley Platts. Ashley is a longtime friend of mine. She was one of my first friends in Los Angeles, and we are going to really get into her acting career, how she is becoming an upstanding citizen of the LGBTQ community, and all of the things she has learned along the way. This podcast was created and hosted by myself, Sam Valentine. With production help from Laurel Canyon Creative, today's podcast was sponsored by WeAudition.com. And our awesome theme song is from V, Maggie Zabo. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. <laughs>